0: Anybody started painting? Paint by numbers, join the dots. It's a bit like that. It's one precept upon another, and if you skip, you miss part of the picture. It makes it really hard to see what the real picture is. And uh, who was here this morning? It was a wave. Awesome. Cool. So what this is, if you weren't here this morning, this is obviously a blank canvas, and over the next two and a half months, we're going to paint on that canvas without actually touching it. And my hope is that you will see through hearing what I'm proclaiming, and other people are proclaiming what this picture is, because this is a picture of the finish line for you and I. This is the picture of God's macro plan for his church, which has always been since the foundations of the Earth, this is not something for you as an individual, this is for something for you as a body. And part of the problem that we've brought into in the church is that we tell people that everyone has an individual purpose and plan for just you and you alone. And there is part truth to it, but it is not the whole truth, and so what that does, it sets us up to fail. And it sets us up to not be looking at God's macro plan, his big picture. It just makes us looking for what's his picture for me. Me as an individual. And what that does, it creates a spirit of independence in God's people who are supposed to be interdependent on one another. Because the Bible is very clear. I need you and you need me. The Bible is explicitly clear on giftings that God has given the church and they work together to form his body and he is the head of that body. It is not a whole lot of individual people running around on this earth on their own. We are called to run in a race and we're all in the same race and the race has been set before us. But if we cannot hear, we will not enter in. We would be like the Israelites who couldn't hear the word in Hebrews 3 and 4 when it went out, so they never entered into the promised land because they didn't partner what they heard with faith and enter in. They failed. God still loved them. God was covering, but they never entered into the land that God had given. They didn't have to earn it. They didn't have to work the land. All they had to do was enter in and possess what was already theirs Same for you and I You do not earn it You don't work for it You don't study it It will not come that way You have to receive it through him giving it to you through hearing It is the 100% opposite way to the world That's why we struggle because we get nothing for free in this world, do we? Man, do we struggle to receive something for free. And so we run the other way, thinking we've got to earn everything we get because that's what the world system is, and it's right. No one gives you anything in the world, but in God, God gives it all to his children. And so we need to be able to hear, because we're not going to touch this, but at the end there will be a picture there. This picture has been in place for 11 years. 11 years this picture has been in place here. But that's our challenge because if I asked you to come and describe the picture, could you? Because you've seen in the unseen. See, when I say you, what do you see? Do you see just a white board or can you describe what's actually there? Faith sees what's in the unseen. Yes? So how much do you actually see? How much of his macro plan are we actually seeing compared to what we think we see? How much of our lives is impacted and influenced and determined by his macro plan? Most churches only have a earthly purpose and they have no concept of what is to come. And so what sets the direction for most churches not all, because I don't know most churches when I listen, is a very earthly, temporal purpose. It has no reference for the eternal purpose. Zero reference for the eternal. And yet, in the living scriptures, it radically talks about the eternal purpose. Just take the book of Ephesians. The entire purpose of the book is sharing the eternal purpose of God for his people. The upward call is not a temporal, earthly call. It's an upward call lived out on earth. We need both, but the eternal purpose should define the temporal purpose. If you take the eternal purpose out, you are only in part of the truth. You need both, but one defines the other. And that's what this entire next two and a half months are going to be about. Declaring in a systematic form the eternal purpose One piece at a time Then another piece, like a jigsaw Then another piece, then another piece Now what I've been doing and we've been doing over 11 years Is putting a piece here, a piece here, a piece here, and a piece here Makes it hard to quite see the picture But those of you tracking and you can hear, you can see it in time But what we're going to do this time is put a piece here and a piece here, just like you would do a jigsaw puzzle. And we're going to build a framework because every picture needs a framework to hang in. And then we're going to fill in our picture with things like what's God in? What's his beginning? What's his middle? How does faith interact with those things? How does seeing the unseen all come into fruition from those things? So at the end of our time, Put my little life down and lay hold of something that is eternal. Something that trumps this. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that we get to talk about you. We get to share and release the fragrance of the knowledge of God into the earth. And I thank you, Father, you have given us your spirit to hear your spiritual word. You've given us your Holy Spirit to discern and to reveal and teach and engrave in us your spiritual word to renew our minds that we would know what your will is. We wouldn't even just know it, Lord. We'd be proving it with our lives. That's what you say. And, Lord, I'm about what you say, not what I think. And I must wrestle with you for what you say, for what you say to become my reality, not the other way around. It's about me being conformed to your image, not asking you to conform to mine. And so, Father, tonight, I pray for divine encounter. I pray for divine revelation on the inside. Holy Spirit, you live within us, and you're there to engrave what is written on our hearts. That's the prophetic promise, Lord, of Jeremiah. And that was a long time ago. And so make that prophecy come real tonight for us, if it's not. Make it become a reality, no longer a future promise, but my reality. Because I'm one with you and you're one with me. And so, Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you ready? Let's go to manual revelation 119. Has everybody got a book tonight? Anyone got one of these when you walked in? It's just a guide to help. The book's not going to reveal the picture, okay? It's not the words on the page. It's the word that's sitting behind these words. It's Jesus Christ who will bring to light and life this macro plan. It's not these words. So although I've put all those down there, and although they are his scriptures that are there mainly, it's 90% just scripture. Just getting a mental understanding of the scriptures will not reveal this. At the end of this time, this will still be blank. The Holy Spirit has been commissioned to teach the church, not man. There is nothing wrong with a man or a woman helping another man or woman, but we cannot bring revelation full stop. That's his role. If I could do that or Sam could do that, we would not need the Holy Spirit, would we? And so how well do you know the Holy Spirit? I asked that question this morning. Because you can grieve him. You can quench the Holy Spirit in your life. If we live from the flesh, we will quench the Holy Spirit. We need to know this. If we are fleshly people, we will quench and grieve him. So we need to be people of the Spirit. Who know and sense his presence. It's in us and when he turns up. Because he wants to do massive, massive, deep, deep work within us. And so Revelation one nineteen says this. Therefore, write the things which you have seen. And the things which are. What book is this in? What have you been taught about the book of Revelation? The book to stay away from? Maybe. The book where all the bad stuff happens? Don't even go there. And yet, do you know what it says in Revelation 1, 1 to 3? Take heed everything written in this book. Take it to heart everything that's contained that the Spirit showed John and come into it. It is not a book about bad things. It's about the revelation of our Messiah, that he is alive and well, and he is the son of God, and everything contained in here is Christ. And John is saying this, the Spirit is saying to John, hey, John, write down the things that you have seen. What does that mean? It means for us to understand the things that are written down, you must see them. You must see them as John saw them through angelic realm. It was the angel that came to John, was it not? The angelic spiritual realm comes to John and says, I want to show you some things. You're not going to study them. You're not going to learn them. You're not going to figure them out. I'm going to show you. So what's he showing you? Are we getting how this works? Do you get your absolute loss of your strength in all this? Like you can't bring you and your smarts to the table. You've got to leave all that at the door and you have to come like a child. So you've got to lose what you think you know if it's not through revelation. So if you haven't been shown it by revelation – It ain't going to do you any good. The only way we get knowledge is through Revelation full stop. Otherwise, why do we need the Holy Spirit? If you can know God without God, why do we need the Holy Spirit? You can't. I can't. John had to be shown this from the angelic realm. So then he wrote down what he saw. You can't understand what he wrote unless the angelic realm reveals it because it's from the angelic realm. If God is a supernatural God, you and I cannot understand him through natural means. But why do we continue to try? You see, you continue to try so you never come into what this is, correct? But we're to know what this is, correct? The picture of the finish line determines how the body of Christ lives now. If we don't have a picture of the finish line, do you know what determines how we live now? We do. Which means we fall short of the standard you and I have been called to, which is a standard of faith, which means we live lives of sin, which isn't, past, present, future, sin, it's I'm missing the mark. I'm missing the standard called faith that Jesus died and rose again that I could live from because I've been called to see everything in the eternal. Yes? Can you hear the seriousness of this? We have to hear the absolute seriousness that if I don't live by faith, I'm living by sin. I'm living under the mark that I was called to. I'm missing the standard of faith, yes? So then I'm overcome by the world, the demonic in my flesh. I'm always going to struggle on earth if I'm not a person of faith, the eternal, Because it's the eternal revealed in me that makes me overcome when stuff comes. Something is greater in this vessel than what's coming at the vessel. Something is greater than the plagues. Something is greater than receiving the mark. Something is greater, greater, greater. His name is Jesus Christ. He is eternal life. And he makes his home in a vessel called the body. Tracking? Tracking? So to not to live that standard is to live beneath the standard, which is to live to sin. Not the sin that's saved you from hell. He's dealt with that sin. Can you hear the difference? Okay, saved you, justified from that, your sin and iniquity. Now, live a life of faith. If you don't live a life by faith, you are missing the mark. But you can't live this life without me. And you have to have lost your life to live this life. And then I'm going to empower you with brand new power and you're going to see the things that John saw. They will be in you and then they will come out of you because they're in an unseen realm, aren't they? The spiritual realm is an unseen realm, is it not? But where does it live? Here and where else? Here. Because Jesus said, I've brought my kingdom with me. I brought my spiritual domain with me. And it's to be in you first, and then it's to come through you. But it sits side by side with the demonic kingdom. But if you're going to live from the flesh, all you're going to know is the demonic kingdom, and you'll never live to and from the spiritual kingdom that I died for you to live from, because you can't see what you need to see. You have physical ears and physical eyes to operate in this world, yes? And God gives us spiritual ears and spiritual eyes to operate in that kingdom, yes? So we need to know what this really all means, otherwise we ain't going to live for it. And this, which is to be your known reality, will always be a mystery. The mystery is to be revealed, correct? I have granted my people to know the kingdom mysteries, Matthew 13, yes? Yes? So, to not know the mysteries and you're granted to know the mysteries is a little bit of a problem if you want to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ, yes? So, that is to stir up a hunger in us to go, oh my goodness, I think I better find some real biblical repentance and start seeking God, knowing what it is to know the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's been given the role to open all this realm up to me. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to walk blind. I'll be part of a church family, I'll do some things, but at the end of the day, it's me in control. I won't be able to live out what I've been predestined to live out, which means I'm not becoming who I'm called to become. So when it comes time to receive the reward for the future, I'm going to be the one that suffers loss, like the Bible says. We're not talking about heaven or hell, we're talking about kingdom reward. There is a reward that Jesus is coming back with. We're going to look at it as we go. But this is massive. Therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are. They are. They're happening right now. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are they dead or alive? How do you have conversations with dead people when he's talking with Lazarus, the rich guy, and the poor guy? Does it not say that Abraham had a conversation with Lazarus, the poor man, and the rich man? And is it not written down for us? So there is a realm that is alive and well. Yes, so when you die, you don't die. Correct? So what are you worried about death for? Why is man so paranoid about dying if when you die you don't die? Because man doesn't know where he goes. But if you know where you're going, fear breaks off you. There is no fear of death because I know I don't die when I die and I'm entering into another dimension. Where did Lazarus go when he died and God rose him up from the grave? God said, Spirit back in his body, bang. Where was his spirit? With him. Physically he's dead. This is the realm that we are in. Okay? Are you being stirred? This is the realm I got brought into 22 years ago. This is not new for me. This is, I've lived this for 22 years. I've lived from this realm for 22 years. Thanks Warren. Jesus raises people from the dead man. Angels turn up in people's lives and say, hi. Angels talk to us. Do you know that we are called to be gods? Little g with an s. We are called to reign on this earth now and the future. This is the inheritance for the church, and yet we've thrown it out because no one that I've met understands it. I asked question after question after question when God started to show me this to men that we all know And none of them could give me any answers. Just said, oh, I've never looked at it, son. I'm a young disciple seeking who the Holy Spirit is starting to show things to. And no one who's more mature than me can help. Because they're not looking at it either. Because you can't get your mind around it, so let's not look at it. But it's in the book. It's for me. Oh, well, who cares? Let's just continue as we always have, so we can control that. No, no, not on me, what my watch? No. See, I upset people because I go, no, I've got a conviction which is far greater. It says, no, man, no, 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 no. I'm not settling. I'm not settling for nothing. If he says it, we can have it. But it comes with a challenge, because only the Holy Spirit can reveal. James says, Do you not know that the scripture speaks to purpose? James four, four to five. Do you not know that the words of God speak to the purpose of God? So what is the purpose of God? And within that passage he talks about being friends with the world. And he's talking to the church. He's not talking to lost people. So he's warning the church hey, friendship with the world is adultery. What is the purpose of this? What does it point to? Do we know? Not in a mental capacity, in a living, revealed capacity that's changing the way we live. It says, if you don't know what's in here, you may be a friend of the world. You may not think you are because you prayed a prayer, but do you live as one who is in the world? Do you love yourself? Like a world does? Isn't that worldly? Do you live for yourself and not for me and my purpose? Isn't that worldly? So then to say what? I'm not of the world, but I live as the world is what? I'm confused. That's what I am. He says, do you not know that the Holy Spirit is to dwell in you and to make his home in you? Do you think if the Holy Spirit dwells in you to a measure that's overflowing, that you can love you? There's no way you're going to love you if the spirit of God lives in you and dwells in you and has made his home in you where you are no longer there. There's no way you can love you and anyone like, sorry, there's no way you can be in love with you in a negative capacity. You will not love another more than God because the spirit dwells in you. And so the challenge is we need to come into that reality and not just say yes and amen to something that's not really true. We're great at doing that. We're the experts at saying, yes, in principle, but in personhood, not be able to live it out. And God's like going, no, I didn't die for you to live out a principle. I died for you to live out a person. I died so you would experience me, that you would encounter me through my power, and so you could actually live out what I say. Do you want that? See, that's all I've known. That's how I entered into this absolute encounter boom shift move Woo. what was that hi I'm in Jesus Christ and I just entered into you and you entered into me and so you live from this dimension not towards it so James is warning the church he says friendship with the world is adultery do you know you and I can live as adulteresses I'm talking spiritually do you know that do you know you can be in a spiritual adulteress unto Christ? But do you know why? Do you know why you're an adulteress? Do you know the covenant that you're in? See, when you know the covenant that you're in, through revelation and the context for the covenant, everything moves. Everything shifts. This starts to start make sense. Because you know the context for the scriptures. You know the singular primary purpose for the scriptures is pointing to something that is called a covenant. Do you know what covenant is though in a way that has got you leaving your old life and entering into a covenant? Not just saying yes but not living to the covenant. So the context for the scriptures is a marriage covenant. If you love a mother, brother, child, wife, cousin, auntie, uncle, possession more than me, what are you? You're not worthy of what? And what has he invited you to? If it's a marriage covenant. Your own wedding. You're not worthy of your own wedding. You're not worthy to marry me. Why? Because you weren't faithful to me. You loved everything else and you said you love me but I was an eighth and I said you must love me with all. The thing is, he's covering your adulterousness and mine. This is how amazing he is. He's covering us while we have other lovers. And why is he covering us? Because he loves us. He burns for you and I. And he hopes all things and he's patient and he's so gentle and he waits and he waits and he loves and he loves and he loves and he hopes that one day you're going to get a revelation of how amazing his love is and you're going to turn from all your other lovers and find the lover of your soul. It doesn't get any better than this. But you have to see it like John's saying. John writes all about it. Revelation 19, 7 and 9. Write it down that the bride must be ready Write it down so they can know, son Write it and then proclaim it into the earth Speak, speak, speak the living word And hopefully people with ears will hear Hear what? Oh yeah, that marriage stuff, yeah, whatever Yeah, I understood that 20 years ago Really? Your life doesn't say it our lives are the evidence of the reality we're in truth is self-evident and it takes a humble man or woman to actually look at your own life and go yes i recognize it so the context for the scriptures is a covenant it's a marriage covenant between christ and his which is his church who is supposed to be everyone, okay? So we're all betrothed, which means you're married to Christ. If you receive the blood of Christ, you are betrothed to Christ, which means you're married in a Jewish custom. Here we have engagement. You are not married until the day, correct? And so the engagement, who knows what's happened there? Whether you actually do get married or not. But in Jewish culture, when you are given over, you are betrothed to Christ. You are legally married. You were entered into a covenant, even though you actually haven't had the ceremony. Are we tracking? So then, how do you live in your covenant? If he's loving you with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and he's given his son for you, what does that look like going back? Oh, I'm too busy. What about you? What are you busy with? All my other lovers, which is really me. Because I'm actually in love with me and not in the way I'm supposed to be loving me. I love me more than you because I still live. Jesus has not come in and separated me from me. I still live. I've incorporated in my life, but he's not my life. He's not the source of my life. I am. So, I still love me, and I still determine how this will all go. And he's covering us in that state, hoping that our eyes are going to be opened and you'll see your true state, and then turn and run. You see, the mistake the rich young ruler made, he ran to Christ, didn't get what he wanted, and ran away. The woman at the well bless her, Christ ran to her, had a discussion, and she didn't run away when he tried to pinpoint what the thing was in her heart. The context is all around a marriage right there in front of you, but have you seen that before? And so we have to know without any shadow of a doubt through Revelation, the context for every scripture you read, this points to the marriage covenant between Christ and the church. Paul said in Ephesians 5:32, it's the great mystery. It's a mystery that needs to be revealed because it's concealed from you. You can mentally know about it, but you need a revelation of it for you to start living and put down everything and just wholeheartedly run abandoned into his arms. Yes? Isn't that the disciples' After they're crushing. Do you read about men and women in here who are wholeheartedly abandoned unto death? Why? What makes you live like that? What makes you put Christ and his family over your own wife and children? What is in a person that chooses that over that? What is in a man or a woman that chooses the spiritual over the physical every time? Who is it? It's certainly not coming out of your flesh. It's coming out of the one in you because the one in you is revealing something in you and you start seeing why you were called. You really start to see the purpose of God that's been predestined before the foundations of the earth because the Holy Spirit is the one who's showing you because you understand it's all concealed in here but you can't enter into it without him so don't even try the problem is man does and there are plenty of places that you and I can go and hear a flesh word that we think is the spirit And it'll tickle your mind and you'll understand it in your mind. But it won't do anything apart from puff you up. We need to seal the fact that you and I cannot know God without the Holy Spirit. It's the design so we don't hoodwink ourselves. He's protected us from ourselves and He's made it impossible for us to know Him without Him. That's how smart He is because He knows we're going to try. Yes He knows you're going to try to get to know him Without him Why? Because it takes too long I can't This is what we get inside of it We you have to have a passion for what you can't do <laughs> Do you have a passion for what you can't do? Because you've realised you can't do it See until you've actually fallen over and broken into pieces You're still trying But that's not how you're ever going to get, your picture will remain blank. So it's the way of heaven that we have to come in, yeah? We shared about a little bit of that this morning. So there is a context for the scriptures, and it is foretold. I just want to read you some passages that aren't in your notes, but you may want to write these down in Acts. And the only reason I'm sharing these is to show you that everything is foretold. So Acts 1, verses 16. Acts 1 16 says this, brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas. So the scriptures point to a purpose that is already established. And it got established before the foundations of the earth. Okay, So David is speaking via the Holy Spirit, Concerning Judas. Did David live in the same time frame as Judas? No. So how does David see that? And then speak of it. Because he's a man of faith. Do you know the future is foretold? You can know the future in God. Everything in God you can know. He says, I tell you in advance so you can believe. Hey, I'm going to die. It's okay, I'm going to rise again in three days. Do you believe? Nah. So he died, rose again, where were they? Having a pity party. Where should they have been? In Galilee, waiting for him where he was going to go. Why weren't they there? Did someone say something? Did he say something? Oh, he said something about rising, but I don't know what that meant. Are we always hearing after the event? Are you ever hearing? Is it going out and you're not hearing anything? And so time, tick, 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 tick. God is outside of time we are not. I only have a certain amount of time while I'm here to come into this, correct? And then there's going to be a judgment for how I lived. The challenge for the disciples is they were always hearing after the event. Even then... They didn't even hear it and didn't believe it when it came to them. So the woman runs from the tomb. Guys, guys, I've seen the Messiah. He's risen again. Yeah, I don't think so. What do you know, woman? We're the apostles. Nah. And it says they didn't believe. And Jesus comes into the room and he rebukes them. You don't want to be rebuked by Christ, do you? He does it from love, so it's all good. Do you need to get rebuked by Jesus himself to hear? Do you literally need a visitation from heaven in your face so you can actually start to wake up to what's actually going out because you couldn't hear it? Do you know the reality is most of us do? Until it knocks on your door, knock, knock, knock. I knock on the door of your heart, Revelation three to the Laodicean church: Who think they are somewhere? They're not. And he stands and he knocks. Anyone gonna let me in? Man, that's annoying that knock. I wish it would go away. Okay, okay. I heard. I will. You grieve me. You quench me. I will but I'll come back. My goodness, is that the Avon lady again? What? Is it Tupperware, eh, Cass? (laughs) Open the door. This is our challenge. It always has been the challenge. We are in a very awesome group of people who have gone before us and there will be more coming after us. We're called the human race. And God has selected people, and you can know it because the Scripture is foretelling it. Listen to Acts 2, 22 to 23. Acts two, twenty-two. Men of Israel, this is after Jesus. Uh, sorry, Peter's been baptized in the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Before it was, it was. What does this mean, Greg? It means God is working out his finished plan. Are you aware that the plan is set in motion? See, there's a race set before us. You don't make it up. It's right in front of you if you can see it. But to not be running in the race is to not be running in the race. Can you hear what I'm saying? If you're not running in his race, you're running in your race. And your race ain't going there. It's a separate race going a separate way, and it's only you running in it. And the body of Christ is running this other race. There's not many in it, by the way, and there needs to be. Because his predestined plan is working out. Jesus was not making anything up. He was put in time by the Father on a set date, and he said, Do you know what's written? I am fulfilling what is written. I'm here to fulfill the law. And now it's a new day. And there is all this stuff written in the Spirit to the overcomer. And you and I can know it now and live from it. We're not called to be taken out by the world. We're not called to be taken out by anything of the flesh, demonic. We're to overcome Yes, do you see this church on the earth? No, I don't, but I want to be part of it. I don't want to be the problem, I want to be the solution. What about you? Do you want to be the solution or the problem? Me too. I don't want to have to complain about stuff, I want to be the solution to the stuff. You know, the church, the church, the church, the church. Do you know who the church is? It's us You're begging yourself No I'm not oh, No you are You're begging your brothers and sisters It's easy to do Isn't it It ain't easy to live this stuff is it So he's foretelling the last one Acts four twenty-seven to 28 These are just three The whole thing is riddled with them Acts four twenty seven and twenty eight. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. So there he is, and there was already a predestined plan to take him out. Can you understand why it's vital you know the finished work and you live from it, not towards it? Living towards it's weak. It's like walking in the dark. Where are we going? Oh, watch out for that hole. (laughs) Fell down it. When you can see... The path is clear. So you see all the pitfalls. It's like a labyrinth. You see the bomb. You see the deception. You see the enemy on the wall going, over here. You hear the world going, it's over here. You hear it all. You see it all. Why? Because you're living from what you're seeing. You can see it like I'm seeing Rodney. I could walk straight up to Rodney and shake his hand because I can see him. I walk on the straight path. It's narrow, apparently. It's actually wide once you find it. But I walk on the path that's light, and I walk straight to Rodney and shake his hand. Why? Because I can see Rodney. That is what it's like in Christ. As we grow in Christ, we see everything in here. Not because you can, but the Holy Spirit's Revealing it to you And so now you start to paint And when you paint Others can see it But it's unseen They can see it in the natural But they have to see it in the unseen Like you've seen it in the unseen If you try and take your P's and Q's From the natural You've already gone backwards If you're just trying to copy someone else You've already gone backwards You and I have to see what the person sees. You can't copy their external. You can't copy, it's an imitate me from seeing what I saw, hearing what I heard. If you try to live out someone else's reality and they're in the fire and the power of God, you won't last five minutes because you're living out of your strength and they're living out of the strength that God has put in them. You try and run with that person, you'll be burnt out like that. But if you come into the reality that they are in, then you can run in oneness with them. Jesus stood in front of them and said, Hello, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they went, Show us the Father. He said, How long have I been with you? How long have I been with you? And you still don't? Right, let's put it into this context. How long have we been one another and you still don't know one another? Not physically, spiritually. Do you know the gift on my life? Do you know who I am to you? What does that mean? Do you know who Sam is? Do you know who the people are beside you? Do you know the gift on their life that's for you? Or do you only know them in a physical capacity? And so you treat them like that. You don't receive anything, weight from them because all you see is a physical person speaking. But if you're of the Spirit, you know of the Spirit and they stand before you and they share something, then there's weight. And if you know it, you take notice. So he said, how long have I been with you and you still don't know me? My goodness, three and a half years. Every day, eating, sleeping, talking, sharing, and you still don't? No. Why? Who hadn't been poured out? Holy Spirit. So Jesus is covering them, loving them to a place and a reality, setting them up for a win that's coming so they can know him They can know this and live from it because they were. How do you think the Apostle Paul says everything is momentary light affliction? How do you think he says this? What's in him that enables him to say that authentically and then live it? His picture of the finish line, his knowledge of Christ and his knowledge of the finish line. So he laid his life down, never picked it up again. You and I are to have laid our lives down and never picked up. It's not down, up, down, up, down. It's down, move, and leave. Now, who have you laid it down for? Does the Bible say? His sake, which is who else's sake? One another. So, how does that look? How much time do we spend praying for others? How much time have you spent praying for what God's doing here? How much of your prayer life is consumed with you or Him and others? That's a really good indicator of where you're really at which is okay as long as you want to turn from that because you were born with a price to not live for you but to lay your life down, know this, to see his kingdom come. It's massive. And it's, a, it's quite an aggressive arresting that's required through the power of the Holy Spirit to arrest you out of that reality into him to you can actually start living as he calls us to live, which says in Romans 12, 2, we're going to finish it very soon, says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable And perfect. Do not, strong words, do not be conformed. What have we been looking at all this year? Conformed to his image. So he wants us being conformed to his image, yeah? If we're being conformed to his image, how are you able to live? Like him which means you can lay your life down for him and others, yeah? Not an issue anymore because you're being conformed. You can. It's only an issue when you're not being conformed and you can't. And the worst thing is to try and do it out of religious guilt. It's the worst thing you can do. But he's telling us, hey, don't be conformed to the world. Now, if we go back to James, James warned us as well, didn't he? Don't be friends with the world. Do you know where the world is? Well, it's there, but were you born into what? Spirit or flesh? Which means you were born into the world. So the world's in you. The only reason that exists is because it's in here and it gets expressed because out of the heart the mouth speaks and out of man's heart he'll live his life the way he's determined to live so the world is in you you were the world you were it are it got you because you don't start in him Can we agree with that and he comes in now you have flesh and spirit in you whereas you just had flesh so now the real battle is what? Spirit over flesh. And the Bible says they're in opposition to one another, correct? Right. So if flesh lives and dominates you, are you not living from the world? Which means you're not living in Christ, correct? So what are you going to demonstrate if you're living from the flesh? A fleshly life. Are you you any different to the lost? You are different in the fact that you're covered, but you can't live out what he's called you to live out because you're actually in flesh, not in spirit. And that's a real problem. And we're being covered so we can sort it out with him. Why? So then we can live the life we've been called for. It's not a bad day. It's a great day because you've been called for greatness, called for royalty, called to know all these things and live above the earth. That's why he died. That's why he gave you life. And it was in him before you were even in your mom and dad. But he warns us. He says, guys, do not be conformed to the world. You are in it. It is in you. So you know it. It will trigger you. It'll draw you in. You have a nemesis. He's going to lie to you. He's going to use the world. He'll even use my word to trick you. So if you're being conformed to the world and not to Christ, you are a sitting duck. And you will have no capacity to enter into true spiritual life, even though you're covered. But that is not why he gave us life. So like I said this morning, there is a death that's required. There is a loss of one's life and a gaining of one's life. So then he can go to work and start renewing my mind to him. I'm no longer being conformed to the world. I'm being conformed into his image, being transformed by the renewing of my mind, which is via what? My ability or the spirit? The spirit, so then I have the mind of who? Okay, so if I have the mind of Christ, I'm not having any negative thoughts, correct? Does Christ have any negative thought? that he beats himself over. No. So if I'm being conformed to Christ, in the image of Christ, and he's renewing my mind via the Spirit, I have his mind. If I have his mind, do you think I see this? Do you think Christ sees this? Do you think he lived from that? Do you think he had a joy set before him that enabled him to go to the cross? Do you know you too? You can too? This is good news, eh? He has made the way. For us to not live scrambling, struggling down here. You may come in there. That's cool. He says, come on, let's walk. And let's raise you up. Seated in heavenly places. Next to me. While you live on earth. Are you a comedian or what? No, I tell the truth. So why? Well, he tells you. So that you may prove. Oh, that sounds like a performance. Well, take it up with God. Because He said you're supposed to be proving something. Your life is to be the evidence of Christ in you. My life is to be the evidence of my knowing of God. I have been selected to be a representation and a reflection of Jesus Christ on this earth. So have you. And we are to know this without a shadow of a doubt and the entering into this stuff because it's the thing that empowers us to be set free from this earth and the lust of the earth and no longer be a friend of the earth because I'm living and my life proves the will of God, which it tells me is good and acceptable and perfect. And it is for every single one of us. It's not what's my will, what's your will, what's your will, what's your will. That's what we've taught when our minds aren't renewed. See what happens when your mind doesn't get renewed by the Spirit and you try to enter into life through man's wisdom? You come up with a false gospel. And it's everywhere. Not intentionally, but it is everywhere. Can you hear it? Can you hear the difference between the false and the real? It doesn't sound, it sounds the same. Okay, it sounds the same. It uses this, it quotes this. The enemy comes like an angel of light. The opposite is not like opposite, it's so close to the real thing. It sounds right, it's just not. It quotes the scriptures but it's really all about self-fulfillment. God's going to make your life this. God's going to make your life this. God's going to make your life this. God's going to do this, 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 and you. Come on, let's get it. Everyone's, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. And there's truth to it. That's the problem. God promises us an eternal life. Your life could be hell on earth. But you've got something greater in you. People were stoned to death. Oh, he's going to give you a great life. Imagine if they're hearing that message while the stone's hitting your head. Imagine if you're Stephen. Oh, God's going to give me a great life. Stone him. Stone him. Whack, whack, whack. What happened to that message, man? Sorry, mate, that was the false gospel. Not doing you much good now, is it? But the true gospel had the man saying What? Father, forgive these men who are killing me. And he uttered the words of his Messiah because he was one with his Messiah. That's just one occasion. And he was not an apostle, a prophet, a big this or whatever. He was like you and I. The man lay tables, for crying out loud. Put the knife and the fork there. Make sure it's all good. He didn't have this massive ministry, this massive calling. He was ordinary, but he was somebody in Christ. This is who we've called to be. And then we demonstrate this will. He is demonstrating the will of God through his life right there. He is loving his persecutors, is he not? He is forgiving his persecutors. That's the will of God. Loving like God loves. Living exactly like Jesus lived. Well, how did Jesus live? Selflessly. But we can't until there is a transaction. You and I cannot live like Christ until there is a loss of life. And the problem is you don't want to lose you. I didn't want to lose me. So we're in a bit of a bind, because the thing that we need, we can't do. And so he says, right, now you now know you can't do, what are you going to do? Because there's something you can do. Well, I guess I can get on my knees and start crying out. Great answer. guess I can get on my face and start fasting and start praying And coming before the throne room, heaven, wherever that is for you, because it's an open heaven, and crying out to the Lord and just cry out from your heart and say, Lord, I can't, I can't. He goes, I know, it's okay. I can, I can, but I can't, yeah, I know, I know. See, all he looks for is authenticity. All he looks for is honesty. He knows you can't. He's our father. And while we play or say we can and can't, he just waits. He waits for us to realize we can't. And his love is covering us while he's doing all that. But his love wants to be in us. And so like I read out this morning, so you will love Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. That is the love of the covenant to which he's loved you. And he wants to put that in you so you can love him and yourself and others with that love. Which is 1 Corinthians 13 love. Amen. And this thing starts to come alive here. This is going to remain blank the whole time. I pray it will be here and here.